you would please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you need a Bible, please take one from the, the chairs in front of you. We're on page, I think, 944. We'll get you to Romans chapter 8. We're in a sermon series uh, in this magisterial book of the Romans, the letter that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the church in Rome. And we are beginning Romans uh, chapter 8, which some have called, and, and I'll throw my hat uh, in that, that ring, the greatest chapter in the Bible. And so as we work our way through this chapter, we're going to slow down a bit and really go verse by verse, sometimes word by word, phrase by phrase, to study these great and wonderful truths that we find uh, in this chapter. And I believe that many call it the, the greatest chapter in the Bible because of the, the wonderful doctrines that we learn there in this chapter, but also the wonderful and massive promises that we find in Romans chapter 8. And what we'll find in these promises is that these verses contain the best news in the whole world. The, the best news that we will ever hear in our whole life. The good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the, the good news that Christ died in our place so that we may be righteous before a holy God. And so as we work our way through this glorious chapter in, in Romans 8, we're going to go verse by verse, phrase by phrase, word by word to look at these wonderful promises and this good news of the gospel. We're going to discover many great doctrines of the Christian faith. Today we're going to elaborate on a doctrine that we touched on last week, and that is the doctrine of justification. And in this doctrine, we're going to learn that the problem of our condemnation has been dealt with by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And He has secured eternal life for those who belong to Him. And so please hear now the reading of God's Word from Romans chapter 8. This is God's holy, inerrant, authoritative Word. One verse. There is... Therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Pray with me, please. O oh God of all truth, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures, for their promises, for their precepts, the directions, and the light that we find in your Holy Word. In your word, we learn more of Christ and we are given grace to follow him. We pray this morning, O Lord, that you would write your truth upon our hearts so that our lives would overflow with praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the best thing that's ever happened to you? When you think back over your life or maybe even the last few years, what is the thing that you think about that has brought you the greatest happiness or the most joy? 
Some of you who are young may say, well, my birth was pretty awesome, you know, being born was cool. <laughs> Some of us would say our, our wedding day, when we got married, that was the greatest day. Some might say, you know, when I sold my business a few months ago, that was a pretty awesome day. <laughs> Made a little money and got rid of the headaches. <laughs> Others may say, you know, when I won that national championship back in 1978 in, in high school dodgeball, that was pretty awesome, you know. <laughs> but for the believer, we have to say, we have to affirm every single time that the greatest thing that has ever happened to us is our salvation, our salvation in Christ. The Apostle Paul, he might say it a different way using the words from our sermon text today in Romans 8 verse 1. Maybe the Apostle Paul would say the greatest thing that has ever happened to him was being saved from condemnation and brought into a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're just going to study one verse today. Because it contains one of the most wonderful and massive promises that we will find in the whole Bible and indeed the whole world. It states perhaps the best thing that has ever happened to anybody who is in Christ. It is the truth. We are no longer condemned. In Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, we no longer have to fear this awful idea of condemnation. And so I want us to meditate on this massive promise this morning by asking a, a series of questions. I want to look at five questions to help us think through this wonderful truth. The first is, what is condemnation? The second is, how has our condemnation been abolished? The third is, when is this going to happen? The fourth is, who is this good news for? And the fifth is, why should you care? So let's look first at what is condemnation? It's not a word that we use a whole lot. I think we all would agree that it's a, a Bible word, right? And that's maybe where we read about it and learn about it most. It, it does have some le legal ramifications too. So uh, when we think of condemnation, we think of someone being punished, uh, being condemned. I think we would all agree condemnation is not a good thing. It doesn't have a, a good connotation at all. So why does Paul begin this greatest chapter in the Bible with this idea of condemnation? Why did he start with something more positive, you know, more encouraging? <laughs> like, there is therefore now great love for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why does he begin in the negative, if you will? Well, it's because we have to all agree and affirm and understand that we are in a very negative condition. Our negative condition, our adverse natural condition apart from Christ is that we are spiritually dead. 
The Bible teaches that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We've already learned in Romans chapter 3 that there's no one righteous, no, not one. We have all earned a guilty verdict before God. We are condemned in our sin. Before the righteous and holy judge of the cosmos, we are guilty. We are condemned. This is not good news. It's very bad news. But Romans 8 verse 1 is declaring to us an astonishing promise, an amazing promise. That their condemnation is no longer an issue. But there is a condition for you receiving that promise that we'll talk about here in a minute. So that leads to the next question. How has our condemnation been abolished? Another way to think of this would be if you were in a court of law and you were convicted as guilty and your condemnation, your guilty sentence is about to be pronounced, but then how can it possibly be removed? This sentence here in Romans 8.1 begins with a a word of transition that we see a lot in Paul's letters. It's used when he's making a a logical argument and kind of showing the consequences of different things. It begins with the word in our English language here, therefore. So you've heard me say this dozens of times. Whenever you read that in the Bible, it's always good to say, what is the therefore, therefore? What is, thank you for all of you that were mouthing that. I really appreciate it that you paying attention. <laughs> what's Paul talking about? Why, why, what's, his, what's his argument? What's the logic that he's describing here? Well, to understand that, I think we actually need to go back to Romans chapter 5. We certainly can understand a little bit from Romans 6 and 7 to get the context, but Romans 6 and 7 are almost like a parenthesis, if you will, in Paul's thought in his argument. And so that's why in Romans 5, we went and read in that that passage in our our scripture reading this morning on this great truth that Paul elaborated on uh, in Romans 5. And so in that passage, we learn that in Adam, we all are born into this world in the likeness of Adam, if you will, we are guilty and condemned sinners. Because Adam's trespass led to condemnation for all men. But the good news was that in Christ, condemned sinners can be made righteous in God's sight because one act of righteousness led to justification for all men. So Paul's summarizing this truth here in Romans 8 verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ as opposed to in Adam. And so this verse, if you will, it's really more of a heading, a banner over this great chapter. If we were to look at these words in Greek, if you were to look at the sentence in Greek, you'll actually notice that there's not a verb in the sentence. And so it would kind of, it's a little wooden if we were to read it this way, but this is the way it might be translated. Therefore, now, No condemnation in Christ Jesus. Statement of fact. This is the 
truth, the great miracle of God's love. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible calls this justification. We are declared righteous, not guilty, no condemnation because Jesus died for our sin and we have received his righteousness. That is the good news. Another word we could key on from this one sentence is the word no. No. It means none. Not even one. Nobody who has been declared righteous in God's sight can be condemned. In Christ, our condemnation has been abolished. Our guilty sentence has been removed. It leads to a third question. When is our condemnation going to end? You know, when does all this happen? When is this, the, the results of this verdict going to be enacted? When, when is our condemnation going to end? When do we get to jump up and down for joy and proclaim our freedom and our innocence? When is that going to happen? And that leads to another great word of this sentence. Now. There is therefore now, now, right now, no condemnation. Our innocence is now, our, our guilty verdict, not guilty verdict is, is now. There's no condemnation. This is a present reality. It's a right now truth. Salvation is a right now thing for us. In Christ, you are now not guilty. You are free to go. Bailiff, remove the chains, you know. You're free. It's a right now thing. Yes, as we learned about last week, you're still going to struggle with sin. We, we still are working out our salvation with fear and trembling that the Bible calls sanctification. But right now, you no longer have to fear condemnation again. But who is this for? Who gets to claim this innocence? Who is the good news of combination for? That's the fourth question. One of the themes of this great chapter is the, is the eternal security that belongs to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who have believed and accepted the free and gracious offer of the gospel have assurance of their salvation in Christ. And so in a lot of ways, one of the great and massive promises that we're going to, to look at in this chapter and we're going to, to love and to study is this truth that we have assurity in Christ. We have assurance of salvation. It's all because of what Jesus has done. And we'll learn here that Justification, being declared righteous, being declared innocent, it, it, it's not for everybody. It's not for good people. It's not for moral people. It's for those, the Bible says, who are in Christ Jesus. What we're talking about here is what the theologians call our union with Christ. We've been united to him if we believe in him by faith. 
This is a glorious reality of those who have trusted Christ. This means that all the good stuff that has happened because of what Jesus did, it applies to us. His life, his death, his resurrection, his glorification, it is given to us. And so this idea of in Christ, it's actually the the proper and biblical way to describe someone who is a Christian. Someone who's escaped condemnation for their sin and been declared righteous in God's sight is because they are in Christ. And so to be a Christian means to be in Christ. Paul uses this phrase, in Christ Jesus, in Christ, or in him, hundreds and hundreds of times in his letters. And he's trying to point out the fact that it's all about being in him, in Christ. That is where our hope is found. To describe yourself as a biblical Christian doesn't mean that you start to describe the, the activities, the Christian activities that you do. It means to declare what Christ has done. It's not what you do, it's what Christ has done. You are in Christ because of what He has done for you. If God has drawn you to Himself, if if you are in Christ Jesus as opposed to being in Adam, it is because of the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus. And so to be in Christ is to be in a right relationship with God. It means to have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in you. Yes, we still have that sinful, pesky nature that remains that we are still battling, but it no longer has authority and ultimate power over you. This is God's great love for us. We are no longer in Adam, condemned, guilty, but we are spiritually joined to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we now have His righteousness that can never be taken away because we're in Christ. We are not condemned because of God's amazing love, His amazing act of love whereby He condemns our sin in Christ by His death, and He places Christ's righteousness on us. And so that gets us to the fifth and final question. Why should you care? It's the so what? Why does all this matter? Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling. You're really struggling with this idea of condemnation. You're thinking, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done. You think that your sins are unforgivable. If this is you, if this is you and you have believed in Christ and you are trusting in Him, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This truth is what makes Christianity so awesome. This is good news that is so good that only God could do it. Because it's not what you do or what you have done. It's what Jesus has done. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, I really haven't done anything that bad. I've lived a pretty good life. I was raised in a Christian home. I go to church regularly, read my Bible. 
I'm sure I'm glad all these other sinners are here to listen to this message this morning. (laughs) Maybe that's you. And you too need to hear this. Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that means that before the world began, before you were even a thought in anybody's mind, before anyone knew who you were, you were saved from your condemnation, not because of who you are or what you would do or become, but because of what Jesus has done for you. God's love and His mercy and His grace extend back even that far. That's how wonderful grace is. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't really care. You're kind of tuned out right now. And you just looked up front and go, oh no, there's communion. I'm going to be here longer than I thought. (laughs) If you find yourself just apathetic, maybe just dry, checked out, and you haven't listened very much, then hear this. If you don't see that you're a sinner without hope, except for God's sovereign mercy, you are condemned. If you're not in Christ, you stand condemned. Let me be a little more blunt. And we don't like to talk about this, do we? But what it means is you are going to hell. Without Christ, you have nothing to look forward to but hell. And that means spending eternity away from the Lord. And that's not good news. It's terrible news. And so if you find that this is you this morning, then repent Repent of not caring. Repent of trusting in yourself. Repent of your indifference. And ask God to break your heart of stone. And to give you a new heart. And a love for Jesus. But for those of you who are here, and you're thinking... Maybe I don't fit in any of those categories. Maybe you're in this one. If you are in Christ and you know Him and you love Him, the gospel just keeps getting better, doesn't it? News is better than we could ever imagine. Because when Jesus died on the cross for sin, He died for all of our sin. Past, present, future. And this is a mind-blowing reality of the gospel. That Jesus' salvation is complete and it is full and it is final no matter what. Your salvation is secure if you are in Christ. It's settled in God's eyes. And if you want to learn more about that, come to the talk on the perseverance of the saints on Wednesday nights coming this fall. Romans 8.1 is announcing with absolute clarity to us all, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you are accepted before a holy God. 
Charles Wesley wrote a, a very famous hymn that I bet some of you are familiar with. I didn't give the music team enough time to practice it this week. And Can It Be? It's a great hymn, And Can It Be? Listen to this verse from that great hymn. No condemnation now I dread. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. We no longer have to fear condemnation because we are alive in Christ and clothed in his righteousness. One of the ways that you and I can show love and appreciation to others is through hospitality. And I'm so thankful for this church and thankful for many of you. You practice hospitality so well. And one of the ways maybe you've, you've experienced hospitality when someone invites you over for a meal, has you for dinner, takes you out to lunch, or buys you coffee, it's just a wonderful expression of love and appreciation, isn't it, when someone does that? That is what Jesus has done for us this morning. He's invited us to a meal. And he did it to show his great love for us, to remind us, friends, there's no condemnation for those who love him and believe in him. And for us knuckleheads who forget that, here is a reminder of his great love for us. This meal of reconciliation where he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into the judgment, but has passed from death to life. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray and prepare for this supper. Gracious Father, amazing love, how can it be that Thou, my God, hast died for me? We praise You and thank You for the grace, the love, the mercy, the freedom, the blessing, the joy, the relief, all the many, many wonderful promises that have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for this meal of, of grace that is before us this morning to remind us of this wonderful truth that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.